This is BTS with CTV, behind the scenes, behind the stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver newsroom. My name is Penny Daflos and I'll be your guide behind the curtain to a public official trying to dodge the media during a homeless crisis. CTV has made repeated requests. Despite a homeless tent city growing in size and complexity in his community with homeowners complaining of a spike in crime and open drug use as a result, Maple Ridge Mayor Mike Morden's staff refused all interview requests after the issue reached a boiling point once again. It's the third fire to break out at the camp in 72 hours. All of the blazes broke out days after the city enforced a court order to address fire safety at the camp on the weekend, removing propane tanks, gas canisters and other flammable items. The Anita Place homeless camp made headlines again soon after when the province announced it would build dozens of units of temporary modular housing for campers, whether the city approved of the plan or not. Still, no response to interview requests, so CTV approached the mayor at an event with the prime minister and had a brief discussion. Housing them, as far as I'm concerned, alone is not a solution. While the mayor was opposed to her plan and relying primarily on press releases to establish his position, BC's housing minister was very vocal in her defense of the solution to the long-running homeless camp. The community's waited a real long time and we just need to get moving on this. The key here is it comes with supports to make sure that people are successful in their housing, that they can access the kinds of treatment and counseling supports that they need, and we're seeing tremendous success right around the province. Community rallies against the project followed with Mayor Morden becoming increasingly willing to talk, so much so he hired a public relations company to make a 34-minute video where he defended his opposition to the provincial housing plan and making some eyebrow-raising comments about his city's homeless population. I see us becoming, uh, for some reason, a hot spot in the lower mainland for people coming here, doing drugs and basically raping and pillaging all of our community and our businesses. One of the city's councillors was among the many critics of that statement. That was grossly inappropriate. He's not speaking as an individual. He's speaking as a mayor and he needs to act that way. I'd like to start this podcast with reporter Maria Weisgarber because the Maple Ridge homeless issue, it's been kind of long simmering. It kind of flares up again here and there. And this has been happening for years. But things really kind of reached a boiling point once again uh, when you went to cover a series of fires that happened at the camp. And that's when we really started getting pushback from the mayor who had not been mayor for all that long. So kind of walk us through what it was like for you kind of starting to cover this uh, resurgence of this issue and the um the issues that you ran up against? Well, what I remember is that it came to a point where a fire had broken out, a pretty significant fire that had caused some damage at uh, the Anita's Place camp. And so we went there that day to obviously cover the story, to see who we could talk to. And naturally, uh, we were speaking to camp residents. We spoke to neighbors living in the area. We found, you know, a witness who had some video of some of the fire. But we also reached out to the city, the RCMP, um, to try and see what their response was to the situation. Obviously, neighbors had a lot of concerns. People in the camp had a lot of concerns. Uh, There was some significant damage. We never heard back in person from the mayor that day. I believe there were emails exchanged uh, with uh, a public relations person with the city. And ultimately, I think what we received was a press release with a quote from the mayor 
Uh, what we do we want for people that are in addicted and compromised positions in their lives person, to ensure that they get treatment services, detox, after that, as well as uh, long-term recovery programs, because that's going to move them forward in their lives as opposed to putting them behind four walls and just leaving them and there. And so again, uh, the very next day, I think we were back again, uh, you know, trying to talk to people at the site and certainly again reaching out to the city. And I think on that day, we ended up actually going to City Hall, uh, myself and uh, another journalist and their photographer, we all went to City Hall uh, to go in person and ask at the information desk, you know, can we speak to the mayor? Where is the mayor? And instead, we kept getting uh, email responses, even as we were standing physically in City Hall, from the mayor's public relations person, who I'm guessing might have been somewhere else in the building. I mean, I don't know that 100% for sure, saying that he wasn't available, he wasn't available. And we may have ended up receiving an, another press release along the same lines. You know, now that I'm thinking back on it, I wonder whether there even were two press releases or was it just one press release? But the bottom line is we never got a chance to speak to him in person and ask questions and have a back and forth dialogue about what was happening. Um, instead, we got, you know, what I would consider to be sort of a canned response within the format of a carefully composed press release. And it, it bothered me. It bothered me. I actually ended up tweeting about it uh, maybe a couple of days later, and I and I I don't often do that, but I just kind of felt that you know when you have an elected official in in such a high position, a position of mayor, that we need to hear from them. We need to hear from them directly. We need to have a conversation with them, not a one-sided conversation. And that's what it was beginning to feel like, at least in those early days. And this is something that you kept running into for weeks and weeks as you were trying to get in touch and get some sort of response. And I have to say, it's not like we were treating the mayor of Maple Ridge any differently than we would treat any other mayor, whether it's Mike Mordern or whether it was Diane Watts back in the day in Surrey. There's so many issues happening in her community every single time. Something major is happening uh, in, in Abbotsford when they had a homeless camp there. You go to the local officials who are the first line of response for some accountability. And this is just it's it's routine. And, and what was not routine in this case was not hearing back from anybody. You, we always hear back from uh, a, a city councillor or the mayor. These are difficult issues. I, I understand people would be uncomfortable, especially a mayor new to office, but it's not like this would be unexpected when you run for office. Everybody's seen the news. Everybody's read the news. They know that somebody is going to be have to answer to what the actions of the city are. And, and this was a routine request as far as I was concerned. So it was just so shocking that we never heard back anything for the longest time. Yeah, I thought so, and I also felt that this is a pretty big issue. I mean, as you've said, uh, it's sort of been a, a long, ongoing issue in the community, and now it, it had reached a point where there were some fires breaking out, there were some real concerns, and so you'd think that at that point, at least, you'd hear directly from an elected official in charge like the mayor. And certainly all we were doing was putting a request to interview him. Uh, you know, I did end up sending, I think, a long list of questions to his public relations person just to get some answers back via email again. But it's just different because when you're getting a press release or an emailed statement, it's not the same as speaking to someone in person and maybe they say something that sparks another question or it, it's not the same as having a dialogue. And I think it's key to being open and transparent and accountable that you're out there answering those questions and so I was surprised um, that that was the way they chose to handle that situation at least in the early days uh, when it seemed like this was a good opportunity to hear directly from 
someone on on, a, on an issue that was affecting a lot of people in the city. Uh, but it just continued like that, at least for a while. Reporter Sheila Scott joins me now. Sheila, you were actually the first one to get the mayor on video, on the record on this issue uh, at an event where he wasn't even uh, on the schedule as attending. I mean, it was likely that he would be there, but uh, sketch out exactly what happened there. Well, it was an event with Justin Trudeau. It was about a week after the budget. It was basically a reannouncement of some of the housing measures they had, and it was kind of a more of a photo op than anything else. So we're listening to him talk. There's not really sort of much news value to what was happening there. But then he thanked a few people, including the Maple Ridge Mayor Mike Morden. So, of course, I'm spinning my head around trying to figure out where he is and he was sort of over in a corner with his PR person I think his communications person and as soon as I saw him I thought to myself oh my gosh there he is we need to get him because this controversy had been going on at that point for I think close to two months and he had been so difficult for people to get a hold of Um, you know calling not returning calls, trying to get an interview, instead getting, you know, emailed statements. So as soon as the press conference wrapped up, my photographer and I kind of marched over there and I had a lot of questions I was ready to ask him. And, um, you know, I said to him, hey, can we talk to you, uh, you know, just for a second, to which he replied, I think he said, uh, now is not a good time. Well, it's never a good time for him, it seems. Uh, you know, but if you're going to, you know, try to talk to the prime minister about this issue that your community has been grappling with really for years, but in his case, he's only been the mayor since uh, October, November. When is there a better time? It was, we needed to hear from him. And I, I, I think he knew that he was there. We were there. The media was there. You know, he had to say something. So, you know, I asked a few questions uh, and he did answer them. What we do want for people that are in addicted and compromised positions in their lives to ensure that they get treatment services, detox, as well as uh, long-term recovery programs, because that's going to move them forward in their lives, as opposed to putting them behind four walls and just leaving them there. You know, he seemed a little bit nervous and apprehensive, but at least finally we got him, you know, on camera because when you are a politician, um, you know, you're a community leader, but you need to communicate with your constituents about what's going on. And if you take a stand on something, even if it is controversial, you kind of have to stand behind that and explain it. So it felt good that we finally did get him on camera and were able to ask him some of the questions that really people needed to know the answers to in that community. And really, watching you interview him, he had an answer for every issue that you raised. A lot of those answers were most people would find them very reasonable. And so I found it very surprising considering how well spoken he was, how articulate he was, how he was able to convey his message, why he'd been avoiding the media in the first place, because it's never a good thing uh, when it looks like you are just pushing information out and you are not addressing questions that are posed to you. Because when you put out a press release, it's a one-way conversation. It's not even a conversation. It's just a one-way display of information. Answering questions is a completely different story. And I thought that you were very respectful in your questioning. He was very composed in his answer. I, I just seeing that exchange, I was kind of baffled about, you know, why he'd been avoiding it in the first place, because it was 
everything went fine and he expressed himself quite well, I thought. You know, he definitely did the right thing by uh, talking because the only other option, if he, is if he had walked away, you know, we would have continued to walk after him um, and trying to ask him questions. So from a standpoint of a communication, uh, communications, he... You know, he did the right thing by stopping talking. As you said, you know, he was well-spoken. He had thought things out. Um, you know, he has a background in security, so it's not like he doesn't, uh, you know, understand the depth of some of these issues. It's just taking the time to stop and explain why. And I, I think that when you're a politician, you know, people that vote for you and elect you and that you serve in your community, um, you know, it's part of your responsibility to answer questions and to stand by decisions. And it sounds like his position has been um, that if his constituents contact him, he will respond with an email or a phone call, which is great. But there are a lot of people that either aren't going to have the time or they're going to be nervous or they think he'll never. There's all sorts of reasons that people will never reach out to the mayor directly. So it's our role as journalists to be able to convey that information, put it into context. And you need to have that conversation. It can't just be a press release with a few lines, uh, quotes to, to put your position out there. There has to be more than that for his constituents alone, let alone everybody else in the greater community. Because when you're looking for provincial help, that means a whole lot of other people's tax dollars are going to help what's happening in your community where you may not feel uh, accountable to everybody who's looking to see how those dollars are being spent. And I think if you're a politician, part of the message too that I would have is that, yeah, you can avoid the media, but you can only avoid them for so long because eventually the prime minister is going to come and you're going to have to go to that press conference. And guess what? We're going to be there and we're going to have the same questions for you at that point than we probably had two weeks ago. So when you get requests, answer them. Reporter Ben Milger joins me now. And Ben, you've covered this uh, issue extensively, as many of us have, because there have been developments uh, kind of ongoing. And, and you've also had issues getting hold of the mayor. Uh, I have had a very difficult time getting a hold of Mike Morton. I, I have not been successful in getting an interview with him, despite having done probably uh, maybe half a dozen stories uh, on the issues around the Anita Place homeless camp uh, and the homelessness and addiction issues in general in Maple Ridge. What I wanted to talk to you about in particular is you covered the story the day that, uh, to our surprise, this video appears on YouTube where Mike Morton is sitting down for a 35-minute interview. He's been avoiding the media, doesn't want to do interviews. All of a sudden, there's this 35-minute interview that he does with a uh, public relations professional sitting down and talking about issues in Maple Ridge. Uh, what was your initial reaction when you kind of first heard about this video and then started watching it? Well, I have concerns about uh, that, uh, an elected official attempting to control the message uh, as, as tightly as that happened with that video. Uh, I will give Mike Morden uh, and the PR firm credit uh, for the fact that they did very clearly identify that uh, he was speaking with a public relations professional and not a journalist. Uh, but beyond that... Um, uh, it, it's clear from watching the video that uh, they likely had a chance to go over the questions and answers beforehand. Uh, and when it comes to uh, accountability of elected officials, um, I, I would prefer, and I think uh, a large portion of the general pu uh, public might prefer, uh, that reporters be allowed to ask those questions um, so that the, the mayor may not necessarily know in advance uh, what the questions are, or at least that follow-up questions can be answered or can be asked. Uh, regarding statements that uh, the mayor might make. Uh, and in that video, there were several controversial statements. 
The raping and pillaging statement, number one, absolutely. And I think that he, this was near the end of the interview, so I think he was feeling much more comfortable to be able to make a statement like that. But I think what that video boils down to is it's borderline propaganda, because when you're sitting there, uh, you're either controlling the questions or you know what they are in advance because nobody's sitting there not expecting that when you hire somebody to go in there to do a video like that. It's it's just such an old PR trick, and I, I think it's... Um, it does not serve his constituents. I, I found, again, in fairness, the questions were a lot of similar questions to what we would have asked, but I didn't find a lot of those answers to be particularly uh, comprehensive. And I also found a lot of the answers that he was making to be unsubstantiated by facts. I mean, he's saying that there are a thousand people in the community who are being housed, um, many of them addicted, and that's coming at the expense of seniors and, and other needy people being housed in his community without providing any facts or, or, ba or um, evidence to back that up. And that would never happen if he was being interviewed by a journalist. So yeah, answering a lot of questions, but in the manner uh, and, and in a tone and everything that he was controlling everything. Yeah, and uh, when it comes to the mayor making statements that he presents as facts and, and using figures that uh, he, he didn't really have any source material for, that's a situation where a journalist would probably follow up and say, how do you know that? Uh, so for instance, he says close to 1,000 people in Maple Ridge are uh, supported by BC Housing, uh, not necessarily in the modular housing, obviously. They don't have that many units, but scattered throughout the community. Um, I don't know where he got that number from. I don't know why he does not count those people as uh, Maple Ridge residents that uh, he has been elected to represent uh, because they do live in Maple Ridge. They are his constituents. Um, and he made statements uh, about uh, a certain percentage of them being addicted to drugs and, and stealing every day to support their habits, stealing up to $1,500 of merchandise per day. I think he said the number of uh, people living in BC housing who were addicted was 80%. Uh, and again, I don't know where those numbers come from. Uh, he said they were taking, uh, potentially taking homes away from seniors, from uh, single parent families. Well, I don't know how many of those people being supported by BC housing are seniors and are single parent families. Um, and had I been able to ask follow-up questions to those kind of statements, uh, perhaps he could provide some clarity on where he's getting his information from. Um, but as I said, uh, you know, I've tried uh, on a half a dozen different occasions to to interview Mike Morden, and uh, he has declined every time. Uh, once to my face um, in council chambers, uh, and then several times through his communications staff. Which I don't think serves the citizens of Maple Ridge. If an elected official is going to have these opinions and these policies, stand by them, whether it's face to face with your constituents or face to face with journalists. But to do it through this uh, channel of a PR company, I don't think serves anybody. Uh, it certainly doesn't serve the public because there are unanswered questions. Uh, and prior to putting out this uh, video, um, Mike Morden has frequently used social media to make statements. Um, and there are people in his community who support uh, his right to not uh, regularly interact with the media. Uh, and I find that on our social media at CTV, they frequently point out uh, that anybody who wants information uh, about the mayor's policies or plans can simply look at his Facebook page. Uh, but again, that doesn't provide the opportunity for follow-up questions. It's, it's, it's great that he uses social media to get information out to the public. Uh, but as journalists, it's our job to dig deeper than that uh, and to scratch well below the surface. And uh, unfortunately, with uh, the administration in Maple Ridge now, we're not really able to make a lot of inroads there. What I find interesting about this defense of Morden's policy of him dictating exactly what message he's going to put out and how he's going to put that out is I think the same people who defend that 
really don't like it when politicians they don't agree with do the same thing. I mean, if you agree with someone and are comfortable with how they are putting stuff out, that's great. But what happens when you disagree with someone? Are you going to feel just as comfortable when they're not answering you? How would they feel if the Prime Minister all of a sudden stopped taking any questions? And, and granted, uh, Justin Trudeau does not take questions from journalists at every event. Uh, we're, we'll do a future podcast on this. Usually each journalist gets one question. There are only a handful at each event. But how would they feel if Trudeau was simply communicating via YouTube videos with uh, trained public relations professionals? I have a feeling that wouldn't fly if you're not agreeing with the politicians' policies. It's easy to agree with that when you're on board. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we live in very polarized times, it seems, at the federal level, the provincial level, uh, and uh, oftentimes uh, at the municipal level now. Um, and the issues that are front and center in Maple Ridge right now are very polarizing um, because you do have a large segment of the population uh, who do agree with the mayor's policies and practices around this, um, and, and they're very vocal about their support for him. Uh, but perhaps there is a little bit of hip Democracy there when um, uh, tactics used by one politician are accepted because uh, a person happens to agree with them when a, a, a similar tactics used by somebody else might uh, be considered unacceptable by the same person. Uh, I think that just goes back to, to indicate how polarized uh, things are. I, I equate politics these days to uh, sports teams. Um, I'm a fan of the Vancouver Canucks and uh, nothing the Calgary Flames do will ever be good in my eyes. Uh, and people uh, look at politics as a zero-sum game now too. So uh, if they support the mayor, then they will support the mayor no matter what he does. Uh, and those who don't support the mayor will probably take issue with uh, almost all of his policies because uh, you're on one side or the other and, and it can be very difficult to, to find common ground when things are so polarized. You touched on this in your story as well, and, and as you say, things are getting uh, much more polarized at various levels, and it, it looks like the NDP uh, is not going to accept Maple Ridge's policy of they're homeless, they need to get drug treatment first before we'll house them. Well, you know what? Housing is actually a provincial issue, so now we've got a, a scenario where the Premier is going and the Housing Minister are going head-to-head with Mayor and Council because they don't agree with how things have been handled. So I feel like going forward, um, this situation, uh, the Mayor has decided in, in a number of public states statements that you know he's opposed to how the province wants to handle this and being a senior level of government they're just going to go ahead and build this modular housing whether the mayor likes it or not and I I, I really wonder um, you know are, are things going to come to a head in Maple Ridge as uh, the mayor and premier are really opposed in terms of how they're going to handle this and, and you got to admit the premier the housing minister have been very vocal they've been very forthcoming in discussing this topic whereas the mayor doesn't want to he just says I'm opposed and that's about it so it's going to be really interesting to see how things develop and, and whose message gets out uh, much more going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the um, the issue that, that the mayor has, uh, if I understand correctly, is that he's of the opinion that um, a lot of the uh, people who are homeless or uh, are being housed by BC Housing in Maple Ridge are not uh, from his community. Uh, and that goes back to who belongs and who doesn't. How long does one have to reside in a community, whether that's in a socially assisted uh, apartment uh, or a tent, uh, before they're considered members of that community? Some people at Anita place have been living there for two years in tents in that park um i 
a lot of people might say that that makes them residents and constituents of Maple Ridge and Mike Morton. Um, I think he has a different view. Uh, so in terms of the province moving in and building housing, um, Morton uh, thinks that Maple Ridge is already punching above its weight when it comes to social services and subsidized housing. Uh, the numbers don't necessarily bear that out when you look at the region. There are other municipalities that do have more per capita. Um, but at the end of the day, it's uh, uh, it's an us versus them scenario. Um, and there are some Maple Ridge residents who are not being treated as Maple Ridge residents, despite the fact that they do live in that community. And the mayor seems to be brushing off. This is one thing that I'd like to discuss with him. Uh, if we were able to actually do an interview with the mayor, uh, that's not you know rushed, at, you know, at the side of a, another press conference, as, as Sheila mentioned, um, it, it would be really nice to be able to discuss with him. Look at the Marpole example. So many people in Vancouver's Marpole neighborhood were opposed to um, modular housing there. There has not been the nightmare scenario that was imagined and that was theorized at the time that it was proposed. I don't understand why Maple Ridge wouldn't want to give this a chance, given that this situation has been dragging on for nearly five years now. And that is a discussion we've not been able to have with the mayor, uh, because uh, even at the rallies and and other events, uh, the last rally he didn't speak, the one before he did. But it's not a a, a setting that is conducive to have that discussion and be able to, you know, ask him, just really push him on a couple of these issues. And if he stands firm, that's great. And if not, okay, let's let's have that discussion. It has not really been possible at this point. No. uh, And in terms of the modular housing, uh, if it doesn't get built, uh, the people are going to continue to live in tents and um, and, and structures that they have made themselves in in that park. Um, If it is built, they will presumably move into that shelter uh, and free up that uh, park for other uses. Um, so either either way, they're going to be living in Maple Ridge. It's a question of whether they're living in a tent uh, or some form of housing provided by the province. And um, I don't know how Mike Morden, uh, what Mike Morden would have them do other than live in tents or live in the provincial housing. Um, he may think there's a third option. I'm not sure what it is, um, a treatment facility, but obviously that would not be on the short-term horizon or the medium-term horizon likely. Well, it sounds like his other alternative is just get out, go back to where you came from and become somebody else's problem. <laughs> Again, you know, this is a free country with freedom of movement, and if people want to put down roots in Maple Ridge, um, then that, I mean that is their right, um, and, and it is also the right of the uh, other citizens of Maple Ridge uh, to not be subjected to property theft uh, and higher rates of crime. Um, I don't know that everybody who is homeless or uh, struggling or close to homeless in Maple Ridge uh, it is is committing these crimes, but there does seem to be some messaging from the mayor's office that uh, that these people are a menace to the community, uh, and there's uh, an othering of this population by trying to separate them from the rest of the residents of Maple Ridge. And no doubt there is a problem. It's just a matter of trying to parse out um, exactly where it's coming from, how to solve that. These are super complicated issues, and, and I don't think they can be resolved overnight, and that's why I think it is important to have a discussion and to have an ongoing dialogue. And it's just really hard when um, there's a resistance to be able to, to to having that dialogue in the first place. And I mean, hopefully going forward, we will uh, be able to establish a better relationship with the mayor so we can put questions to him, uh, because I, I, I don't think it's adequate for him to, uh, to just do a friendly interview with a public relations official. We're not getting the answers that we need that might provide more context uh, to uh, the exact issues that are taking place in his community. Just to wrap it up with Maria 
right now. I guess this is uh, the fact that he um, made use of a PR company at, at a civic level is extremely unusual, especially for an interview of this length. But I think people are also going to make the comparison between Mike Morton and other mayors. I'm thinking Richard Stewart in Coquitlam, who often shows up to uh, major events in his community just to tell us what's being done. He's very proactive in terms of reaching out and letting people know what's happening in his community. Not that every mayor has to do the same thing, but when you contrast that with hiring a PR company to manage your message... Most mayors are somewhere in between, but it's just we're seeing just real extremes now in terms of of dealing with the public. It was unusual to read that he had done that, and uh, it's certainly not something that you see very often. I was a little worried when I saw that, thinking could this set some sort of precedent again for elected officials maybe not feeling that they have to come out and, and, and speak to us in person, but they'll just, again create something kind of prepackaged for us to deal with or, or kind of look for their comments within that package. And, you know, I'm not sure what the thought process was behind it, but, but you know, I will say no matter what anyone's opinions are of the issue, because the, 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 the homeless camp or the Anita's Place camp in Maple Ridge certainly was a very contentious in- issue, dividing a lot of people in the community, very polarizing. But no matter how you feel... It shouldn't matter. You should still want to hear directly from your mayor. Um, Because what happens, let's just say there comes a day when there's another issue going on in your city, and maybe it's something that you have very strong feelings about. Maybe you disagree with the way City Hall's handling it. Well, in that case, how would you feel if you never heard from or saw your mayor, you know, out there, out front, speaking to the media, answering questions, being prepared to, you know, defend or explain their position, depending on what the issue is, and just being, being present and accountable and transparent. And so it was odd, it was concerning for me, because uh, I don't know, I feel that, again, no matter what side of an issue you're on, that when you elect someone, when you vote them in, that's part of their job is to answer those questions for you and on your behalf and so that you can hear them. So it was surprising. There's a reason it's called public office. <laughs> well, that's exactly it. You're out there in the, in the, in the public eye. And, you know, part of that job entails uh, speaking publicly about things. And we are representatives of the public. We have to go out there and, and, and ask tough questions about things and get a conversation going with the people that are elected by their communities because uh, it's important. You should want to hear from them and you should want to hear from them in a way that isn't so controlled so that, you know, other points of view can also make their way into the conversation or maybe an angle that people haven't thought of or I I just think that it means more than just getting a press release or an emailed statement, which we do run into in other stories as well. And obviously it's never our preference because it's not that level of openness and and accountability that you would hope for or maybe expect. And there are difficult issues. I mean, Kennedy Stewart uh, speaking out about 420, and he's been facing criticism for saying he's not going to get in the way of the event happening. That's an uncomfortable conversation for him to have. He's standing up for the way that he wants to handle it. Not everybody's happy about that. So there's another mayor dealing with an uncomfortable situation, not to the point, obviously, of the uh, intense personal issues that people are having with um, some homeless residents and and needles and and human waste in their yards and stuff. I I get that it's a, a deeply personal thing when it 
it's your home that you feel is being encroached upon. But at least in that case, we've got civic officials um, tackling the issue head on and, and speaking out about it without going through an intermediary. They're directly speaking with the media and addressing questions in a, in a case where there's a lot of money being spent for 420. Yeah, so you see a lot of different approaches to public relations, and uh, I just think whether you agree with them or disagree with them, you should want to hear from your mayor on issues that are important to your community or that are affecting your community. And when I say hear from your mayor, it's more than just putting out a statement or even honestly just writing a social media post. It has to be some level of public discourse, public accountability that they're going to get out front, put themselves out there and answer questions. I do think it's part of the job when they're in that role. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much. I also want to thank Sheila and Ben, and thank you for listening to BTS with CTV. And I hope you'll check out my colleague Binder Sudgeon's Lady at the Ledge podcast, combining politics, current events, and Binder's smart and sassy take on the big issues of the week. Do you have a topic you'd like me to cover on a future episode of the BTS podcast? Email me, bts at ctv.ca, and if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits, and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Dapwas. 